Hey, if you're a workplace coach or work in HR or anyone working with challenging conflict situations at work, we've created a coaching method that any coach can learn. The goal of New Ways for Work Coaching is to help employees or whoever is taking it to learn personal relationship skills for productive relationships. Essentially, it gives employees a chance to learn new skills and to change before big decisions are made about their employment. Sometimes they're just lacking skills and New Ways will teach them. If you'd like to know more about it, we offer our New Ways for Work coaching training two to three times a year. And these trainings are a combination of on-demand, which you can watch 24-7, and Zoom training with Sherilyn Knapp and Bill Eddy on the on-demand portions. You'll find the link for this in the show notes below. Sign up at highconflictinstitute.com forward slash upcoming dash courses or email us at info at highconflictinstitute.com. Welcome to It's All Your Fault on True Story FM, the one and only podcast dedicated to helping you identify and deal with the most challenging human interactions, those with someone who may have a high-conflict personality. I'm Megan Hunter, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Eddy. Hi, everybody. We are the co-founders of the High Conflict Institute in San Diego, California, where we focus on training, consulting, coaching, and educational programs and methods that all to do with high conflict. In this episode, we discuss how to avoid sabotaging a successful interaction um, in a high conflict situation and how to identify that success and let a win be a win. And you may be surprised about the definition of what a win is in high conflict. But first, a couple of notes. If you have a question about a high conflict situation, send it to us at podcast at highconflictinstitute.com or on our website at highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast, where you'll also find all the show notes and links. Please give us a rate or review and tell your friends, colleagues, or family about us, especially if they're dealing with a high conflict situation. We really appreciate all of you listeners tuning in each week. Let's talk about letting a win be a win. What does this mean in high conflict? It's a little bit different from ordinary situations where we might focus more on an outcome, perhaps, in resolving a dispute or getting a last word in or <laughs> something like that. But in high conflict situations, uh, there's a, a slightly different definition. And what we mean is that we often see people unintentionally sabotage an interaction, a mediation, a negotiation, uh, any type of interaction in a high-conflict situation where instead of stopping where there's been some progress, we keep going and we keep pushing for, for more uh, more resolution for a, a, an outcome that we perceive will consider it a win. And, and it's not a win over the person. Uh, I don't mean that by any means. It's just a win in the situation. Did we make some progress? So, so Bill, what are your thoughts on that? What's, what's the definition of a win in high conflict? Making good progress. When you seek perfection, you often blow up your good progress. And I think of, of many cases where this has happened, where a reasonable person has helped keep the other party focused on 
thinking about options and choices and moving forward. And then they just just want to go a little further to have perfection, a sense that, oh, great. Now that we've made a reasonable agreement and you're acting like a reasonable person, let's just go all the way, you know? <laughs> right. And kaboom! The, the example I think of uh, right away is I was doing a divorce mediation with two very high conflict. Both parties were very high conflict. They both had lawyers in the room. And we made a little bit of progress in two hours. And I was saying, this is great. You know, we've made a little progress. We'll build on this at our next meeting. In a couple of weeks, we got our calendars out, agreed on the next date. And then as the husband and his lawyer were packing up to leave, the husband's lawyer says to the husband, don't you feel better now? The, the husband's lawyer was just feeling like, you know, this is great. We made some progress. I'm just going to kind of reinforce that we made good progress, and I want him to feel good about it. And so he says, don't you feel better now? Well, guess what? This is still a high-conflict person he's talking to who says, pauses and then says, absolutely not. In fact, this is terrible meeting. In fact, I'm never coming back. And his entire mood just drowned out. The emotions drowned it out, the progress that we had made and we could have built upon, I think. But by opening up emotions, it just, the flood just, erased all of that. And I totally understand where his lawyer was coming from. He wanted to like reinforce, see, this can work. This can help you. But he should have left well enough alone, you know, just smiled at him and said, good work. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And, and, and let the win be the win in, in that yes. moment. Um, and that's, that's interesting, bringing up emotions, because, you know, high-conflict individuals mostly have a hard time regulating their own emotions. So if you do open up the emotions, if you go that route, it's, uh, you know, a high possibility that you'll have some kind of eruption or disruption or something that leads to all or nothing thinking. And, you know, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back. Uh, you know, that might be an extreme case. But um, in any case, you can sabotage the good work you've done. You know, I like the concept of choosing your battles. And if you win a couple battles, like you said, let a win be a win instead of going for the whole package. That progress, and this is true, people have found this in therapy, that progress, when you're really trying to, to go beyond somebody's personality, their way of being, the problems they're facing, this is a slow process. And some people with high-conflict personalities or traits really have the potential to make some change and to grow and sometimes outgrow the disorder. Like borderline personality disorder is one that's known for people outgrowing that with DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. And so we have to let things build. We have to let things take some time and reinforce the win, as you said. And I think just congratulating people on their success is so much better than saying, well, now that you're being a reasonable person, let's go for more. <laughs> right. 
And you have to measure and know how much is too much to go for and when to build and pause and when to, you know, meet again and build some more. Right. And and the difference, uh, kind of understanding the difference between giving praise for a job well done versus opening up emotions, as you were discussing. Yes. Praise is okay. It's it's That doesn't open up emotions. You're just giving, you're, you're validating that something good happened. And I think what people might misunderstand in high conflict situations is that many people with high conflict personalities are not used to having wins in their mediations, in their negotiations and interactions with other people. They're frequently, uh, you know, butting heads and getting upset and getting anxious. So when, when they've had some kind of a, a win, you're sort of, you know, kind of doing a disservice by, uh, you know, either opening up emotions or just having that last word that's going to blow things up. So giving some praise, though, is okay, right? Thinking, what can we tell people to watch out for what's trying for the last word. And I think of the forget about it's that we have. As we say, forget about opening up emotions. And we just talked about how that can blow things up. You want to keep focus on thinking and doing. But also forget about going back to the past. And sometimes, you know, people want to go back to the past and say, well, this is what you should have done before. That blows things up. And trying to give the person insight into themselves. Well, see, you know, if you would just do it this way all the time, um, you would have friends. And and the insight, emotions, and the past are just things to really forget about. And it's it's sad, but you can help people by helping them think, helping them act, and people can make decisions. We see that all the time, even high-conflict people, because you're staying focused on something that can be successful, and you have to you have to be realistic about what can be successful. But if you are, you can constantly have a building process and then kind of pause and shore up your win, and then when it's time, go for some more. But don't go for the whole shebang when you've had a little bit of progress. Um, I guess the the definition really of, of of a win in high conflict situations is progress. If you're making progress, um, it may be slower than progress in other cases and situations. But that's that's the definition. Yeah, I think that's the the, the fundamental is progress. And actually, in alcohol and drug treatment, they talk a lot about progress, not perfection. And I think that fits totally here. It's when you try for perfection that you blow up the progress. Now, the the thought I had, I was remembering back, this is many years ago when I was a therapist, and I was treating a, a firefighter who had, I think maybe he was in his early or mid mid-40s, big guy, strong guy, and feeling good about being, a, you know, big and strong. And he had a stroke. Um, something had happened, and he had a stroke. He was slowly starting to be able to come back, like, I think, like his left arm and some of his thinking and such. And we decided early on that 2% progress was progress. And so we'd have 1% in the counseling office, and then he'd go for a week and then come back. 
And at first he was saying, it's hopeless, I'll never do this and that. And I said, let's focus on the progress. And I just remember one time he came in and he was just so bright and positive. And he said, I made 2% progress this week. Oh, nice. And he was so proud of that. And what's interesting with a stroke is people can recover, but it may take years and a lot of doing the right things. But, you know, there's people that have recovered from strokes completely in, you know, a few years. Let it be what it has to be. Don't stress your body and your brain. Yeah, I, that reminds me of the book by Jill Bolte-Taylor called um, My Stroke of Insight. Uh, one of my favorite books. That. Yeah, it was just fantastic because she was a neuroscientist of some type um, and she studied strokes for a living. And then she had a stroke and she's just a, a brilliant person and she decided to pay attention to um, everything that was happening to her as she had this stroke so that she could hopefully, hopefully someday write about it. And I recall it, she said it took about seven years to get you know, beyond all of the really hard therapies and, and the work. So, yeah, I like that. It's, it, it may be slow going sometimes, but it's prog there's progress. So take that progress as a win. And, you know, I think of, of some meetings I've facilitated between individuals who are very unhappy with each other and, uh, seem to exhibit some high conflict behaviors <laughs> and um and uh, their interactions were were not always very fruitful and productive we use you know our proposal technique of well it's yours you created it bill to keep a meeting very structured and in a meeting that will get people to some sort of agreement and i had some uh, just really fantastic success a win right there was progress an agreement was made and the, the meeting should have just ended there, but there was another um, individual in the room who decided to <laughs> kind of go back to the past, one of the forget about it, and um, relate what had just happened to a past event, and that just blew up both parties again. And now they were unhappy where they just felt some success at reaching an agreement. You know, that's kind of where this comes from. Um, and I also wanted to say, Bill, the giving insight piece you were talking about, one of the other forget about it, it is really one of the most tempting things that, that people are kind of a natural um, instinct that we have to explain to, to other people that it's something that's really obvious to us and is just not obvious to them at all. And there, there might be a degree to right fighting and wanting to <laughs> have a win or to be right or just you're so ticked off and so aggravated by this person and their behaviors that you might just want to get that last word in or something and, and give them some insight. And it, you really have to bite your tongue. Biting your tongue and, and, and not going for everything that you, you'd like to go for. It's so tempting, especially when you can see somebody is sabotaging themselves and it's so simple what they're doing wrong and you just want to tell them. Like, like maybe no one ever pointed out to them that the way they speak uh, turns people off. And so, you know, why not just inform them? And all the time in our trainings and stuff, at the beginning, we say, don't try to give the person insight. And near the end of many trainings, people still say, well, what about if you just point out 
what what's problematic in their behavior um will they will they get it and will they change and i said that's trying for insight and that can not only they don't get it but it can harm your relationship and and the idea of trying to give people insight there's so many different words we use for that that we're we're not even aware that we're like oh well there's this thing you just did can't you see and it's like now you're in trouble now you're in a big argument so i think being realistic uh that's one of the big things we're trying to teach about high conflict people is don't be judgmental be strategic be aware of how far you can go so you can have a win be a win oh that's <laughs> brought to mind an episode of Naked and Afraid, which probably sounds bad to those who have never heard of that TV show, but <laughs> it's it's not that it's not a nasty show. It's a it's a oh, okay. it's a reality show that's kind of interesting because they uh, volunteers put their name forward to go um, on kind of an adventure, and they are dropped off in a jungle in you know South America or Africa or you know Alaska um, naked. As soon as they get there, they have to take every last stitch of clothing off, and then they meet someone else that's usually a male and a female paired up, complete strangers. And they uh, have to meet naked, which is awful and so cringy, awkward. Uh, then they have to live together for 21 days and really support each other as a team because it's very hard to survive without, you know, food, water, <laughs> and shelter for 21 days. And they have to rely on each other. And I, so I've, I've watched this many, many episodes of this and, and it's, it's always, there's always a, a formation period where things are, are a little crunchy as people get to know each other. But when you have that high conflict individual there, it is just the worst. I mean, 21 days with no one else and having to rely on each other. So a recent episode, the female in the the pair was extraordinarily high conflict and uh, just very condescending and bossy. And I recall one one phrase where she told her partner, on day one, within about the first three hours, let me tell you all the ways you're wrong. <laughs> and it just, and you, that along with everything else she was doing, I mean, there was lots of all or nothing. There was, you know, blame, blame, blame. And, and so the whole high conflict pattern was definitely there. But I, I, it's interesting to hear someone just say out loud, let me tell you all the ways that you are wrong. That's a warning sign of a high conflict person because they're preoccupied with blaming others. That's a line to watch out for. If you ever hear that, <laughs> trouble is coming. And really blame is the, is, is what I think kind of the easiest indicator of high conflict, wouldn't you say? I think so. It's, it's often the biggest. It's kind of like, oh, wow, they're blaming me for something I have no control over or something that they did. And so blame is really, and it's 100%. It's all your fault. Um, yeah. We should name a podcast after that. We should. Oh yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very telling. And I mean, you know, I suppose many people, probably most people, have blamed someone at at some point in their life. But the high conflict individual, it's it's just an automatic first thought. It's how they're programmed. Um, when things don't go their way, when things don't go as expected, the first automatic first thought is it came from the outside. And uh, that's, uh, if you see a pattern of this, it's, it's um, interesting <laughs> and you better, better change your strategy. 
you can predict a lot from that. Yeah. So if someone is 100% blaming you, you can predict they probably have a lot of other all-or-nothing thinking, perhaps unmanaged emotions, this is how they deal with it, and perhaps some extreme behavior. And that's why it's helpful to recognize warning signs just and then have your expectations adjust because I think a lot of what you're saying, Megan, is that that people don't let it be a win because they have a bigger win they're aiming for, and we have to have our expectations be realistic. It's worth trying to make things better, and often you can manage a relationship, but it may never be the perfect relationship that you wanted. And I think of that with people and their parents, adults and their older parents, and that people, if they had a high-conflict parent, as adults, they come back and want to give feedback and say, you know, mom, you have this problem. Just just fix this problem and you'll be so much happier. We read about it on the internet. And I have a case like that. Three sisters confronted their mother over the holidays and their mother said, get out of my house. I never want to see you again. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so... Their expectations, just they didn't realize that you can blow things up. And if you have a high-conflict person in your family, you may have to accept that you're going to have more of a surface relationship, but try to make the surface relationship comfortable and happy and the best that it can be, like holidays and celebrations and things like that. Exactly. Well, I think that was a, a good discussion, and I hope it was, was helpful to you, our listeners. Next week, we are going to talk about exposing the bad behavior of someone with a high-conflict personality. Is that a wise strategy or not? In the meantime, send your questions to podcast at highconflictinstitute.com or submit them to highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. And uh, we'd love it if you told your friend about friends about us and gave us a review when you have a minute. So keep learning and practicing these skills and being kind to yourself and others while we all try to find the missing piece. It's All Your Fault is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Wolf Samuels, John Coggins, and Ziv Moran. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at truestory.fm or highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Mm-hmm.